face. That's yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you want to, if I if I sound a little, story. if I sound a little off, I had some dental work done and I still can't feel my lip. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I'm touching the microphone right now or if I'm like <laughs> eight inches away. I have no idea what's You're happening. You're not eight inches away. But okay, that's good. We'll pray for you. I lost all depth perception for. too. That's normal, right? To have dental work and lose depth perception. <laughs> the trauma of <laughs> going right. to the dentist. Well, welcome back to Beyond Sunday. Uh, Beyond the Dentalist. Beyond the Dentist. That's our spinoff. This is Pastor David. Uh, not here this week is uh, Patrick Nazaroff and Elise McCarter. But with me today, Pastor Cassandra Nagel. Always happy to join you in Welcome the studio. Back. Yeah, we're yeah. glad to have you with us. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is uh, taking some time off, and Elise is, I don't know, doing something. She's probably flying an airplane. Probably, or a helicopter, or I don't know, gallivanting around, doing fun things that... It's the summer. ...we don't get to do. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? But we're here because we're the ones who are invested in this. That's <laughs> that's what it comes down to. <laughs> we're committed, we're committed to the podcast. I say two weeks before I'll be gone. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, we've got some fun stuff to talk about. We're going to continue uh, some of our conversations around uh, particularly LGBTQIA issues in honor of Pride Month. So we're going to have some more conversation about some of that here in a little bit. Uh, but we're going to start with a new story, um, which I had to find this week. I had no idea how hard it was to find silly news stories. But Patrick apparently goes to either he's better at it than me or he just is, spends a lot of time <laughs> finding silly news stories. So it took me a while. But here's one. All right. So let me ask you this question. Okay. Have you ever tried methamphetamines? No. Okay. God, good. No. Me neither. That's <laughs> just what I do. You know, opportunity for confession here on the podcast before we go any further. Nope. Uh, I have not either. However, I found this fascinating. Uh, this is from the AP. A drug syndicate tried to smuggle tons of methamphetamine from Canada to Australia and New Zealand by hiding it in shipments of maple syrup and canola oil. <laughs> I don't know why. This is, I just find it so fascinating. That I'm like... <laughs> Because inevitably, right? This is the kind of thing that gets picked up by a news source, and they're like, "Don't buy maple syrup because it could sure. have methamphetamine." Sure. Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna end up on your grocery store shelves. Like, that's not what's happening here. But uh, yeah, they intercepted tons of uh, shipments of maple syrup and canola oil that were actually transporting meth. <laughs> well, you know, people are pretty creative nowadays. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, of all the things, well, if you were going, if you were going to commit a crime and ship yeah. methamphetamines. Or that or wouldn't any be the crime that I commit. No, what cr- what crime would you commit? Maybe I we'll could, start there. I would I would steal an expensive painting from a museum. That's such a boring crime. <laughs> no, that's what I would do because we see. Well, I've read a lot of crime books growing up, but like we always hear about failed, you know, thievery. Well, attempts. you only you only hear about failed. So thievery. you don't hear about the ones that were <laughs> successful. <laughs> Sometimes you do, right? Like this painting has gone missing. No, nobody yeah. admits that. They just say it's, uh, it's a way so, for cleaning or whatever. You know, I feel like, you know, there's just, that is the ultimate crime. You know, it's a little, it's a step up mm-hmm. from robbing a bank, but like sure. robbing okay. the Louvre. I mean, that would be, I mean, be, it is, it's the like classy MoMA, crime, right? It's, you know? it's the white collar yeah. crime. It's yeah. the, the Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Eight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you can display that piece of art. Somewhere. No, you can't display it because then everybody knows yeah, you, you took it. To, you <laughs> have to put the fake up. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with meth. That's, All right, well, that's how people die. People die. That's right? totally legit. Yeah. But let's imagine that you had to smuggle a liquid of some form across a border. Okay. What substance would you use to smuggle it in? Would you use maple syrup? Is that your? Is that a substance of choice that you would be like? Yeah. Well, that's how I I'm feel like that's. It. I mean, the Canadians did it, right? So that's why they use maple true. syrup. So like, I don't know if it was here in the U.S. Like Coke. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, not Coke. Coke um, in Coca-Cola. That's once upon a time that wasn't even smuggling. That's correct. <laughs> um Coca-Cola, I mean like <laughs> like beer, you know, I mean yeah. there's all sorts of, you corn know, corn syrup, just a <laughs> corn syrup. Just a yeah. vat of corn syrup yeah. that secretly contains whatever, yeah. yeah. Corn syrup itself probably should be I feel like it has to be, to be something yeah, something that's not suspicious and maple sure. syrup is not Very a suspicious yeah. substance, right? So. I yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. It does give me a little rush when I drink my, or not drink, but like when I eat stuff with maple syrup on it, you get that little sugar rush from it, you know. I don't know if I needed to know that, but thank you. (laughs) You don't get a sugar rush from eating maple syrup? I I don't. I just said syrup in a really funny way. It's the dental (laughs) work. It's the dental work. I know how to say syrup. I just have to be thinking really hard about it. I don't know. We don't eat syrup as much, like, as a family as we used to. What do you put on your pancakes? I guess we don't have pancakes that often anymore. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So it's not that you're, like, against syrup. It's it's not a common you don't have thing. An o- you don't have an occasion to eat it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I can think, I saw in the fridge at my parents' house a couple of weeks ago, like, a blueberry syrup that mm. we had opened okay. from a while ago. And I'm like, wow, we haven't used that recently because it's just been a while. That's so the best part about syrups is it's good for basically ever. 
Yeah. Also, well, meth. when you put meth in it, I don't know <laughs> what the, how that meth. affects yeah. the life the it's lifespan. Things that maple syrup and meth have in common. When you go to brunch, are you a, mm-hmm. a sweet bu- brunch or a savory brunch person? Um, it depends. Usually, if I go to brunch, yeah. I'm going for breakfast more than for lunch. Sure. So that's more that of my distinction. That doesn't answer my question. Are you going sweet or savory? You can have very savory breakfasts. I guess sweet. Okay, so you t- you would go out and get like. French toast I would or get waffles. French toast or, yeah. with fruit or like crepes. Do you, put sir- or do you put syrup on French toast? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah, but you not like a ton. I mean, I don't want it to be. You get a drizzle. Yeah. 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 I, I probably know. overdo it on the syrup. That's probably. That's what problem. I'm thinking. But I also yeah. don't go like when I go out to get brunch. I get savory. Okay. Almost all. Like I don't go out and get like huge sweet plates anymore. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm more of a. It's uh, probably the more financially responsible direction. Financially responsible. Yeah. You're getting more for your money's worth. Like, oh, it's much yeah. cheaper to make pancakes. You know, sure. the, the restaurant is profiting more off of your brunch. Sure. I'm also maybe. not sending myself into a diabetic <laughs> coma from my, from my brunch. This, I mean, my cholesterol is going through the roof from all the say, bacon yeah, that I'm eating, but yeah, at least the, the sugar is okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough of that silliness. Um, let's see. Oh, they said in January, Canadian authorities had alerted them. Uh, this is uh, New Zealand. Had alerted them that 2,900 liters or 766 gallons of liquid meth. Oh had been hidden in these bottles of canola uh, and were being sent over. Anyway, that's a lot. I of mean, as a church, like, a I mean, we have communion wine. We've got, we've got Are we smuggling baptism oil. No, no, no. I'm just saying could, like, yeah. like if we were a, you know, a, a, a universal church mm-hmm. and we were exporting we are a universal church. Well, you know what I mean? Like if Lord of life had international mm-hmm. campuses and sure. we are like, we have a vineyard, we have grown our own yeah. know, grapes and we have, this is the Lord of life wine that yeah. all of the congregations are going to use. We would start shipping a lot of meth. Is that, where, I don't where know. Is I, I just <laughs> say, I'm just saying, I'm thinking, I'm thinking hypothetically, okay. you know, hypothetically we would start. Shipping how are we things. getting our, how are we getting our funding? <laughs> an excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> how are we getting our funding for this vineyard that for we're, this vineyard. Uh, yeah. Right now, I'm worried about getting our funding to uh, fix our air conditioning and yeah, we, repair the floor that's yeah, damaged. Yeah, we've got to figure yeah. out uh, Lord of Life, the Woodlands campus, that's right. before we can figure S- out. Manage one thing at a <laughs> yeah. time. Then we'll take up the vineyard. That's next on the list. Next yeah. next campaign. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, so recently, uh, let's see, back in May, is that mm-hmm. right? What is it now? It's June it's still. It's June. Hey, it's the solstice, right? Is that today? Was that, that was yesterday? Yesterday, yesterday was the first day of summer. I don't even know what day it is. Was today yesterday the is first day of summer or is yesterday the last day of spring? Yesterday was the first day of summer. So the 21st is the first day of summer. Correct. Okay. That's I, what my calendar said. Okay. So Your calendar could have lied to you. That's true. Could be a communist plot. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> Smuggling methamphetamine through your calendar to you. It <laughs> could be what's I, happening. I don't know. All right. So yesterday was the first day of summer. Welcome to mm-hmm. summer, everyone. Uh, we're here in June. But last month, almost a month ago, exactly, mm-hmm. uh, at Lord of Life, we had a semi-annual congregational meeting. We did. Um, not to be confused with biannual, which actually means the same thing. Uh, but right. so we had a meeting. <laughs> I want to throw that out there for everybody. It's the longest preface to just, the first look, question. The fact that biannual <laughs> can mean every two years or can mean twice a year is this flabbergasting. This is the English language. What I do you expect? Inflammable and infl- or inflammable should not mean the same thing. I just anyway, not the point. Okay. <laughs> We had a meeting. That was the point. We did. At there that meeting, lunch. there was lunch. It was delicious. <laughs> At that meeting, we took a vote as a congregation. And mm-hmm. in that vote, we uh, decided to begin exploring the process of becoming what is known as a reconciling in Christ congregation. Uh, and yes. so if you've been around Lord of Life, you probably heard us using this term reconciling in Christ or RIC. If you're not from our community, uh, you might be familiar with this from other places or you might not mm-hmm. be at all. So we're going to spend some time today uh, talking a little bit about RIC, uh, what it means, uh, why, uh, why congregations choose to uh, have this standard and what it might uh, look like for Lord of Life because we're just in the very beginning processes of this. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go maybe at the end, we'll go a little bit into the details of what next steps are going to look like for Lord of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will be forthcoming. We won't uh, launch off with that. So let's start with just a couple uh, easy questions, you know, just easy toe, toe in the water kind of things, right? We don't want to go too, uh, sure. too far, too sure. fast. Um, so when you're uh, talking about a community that says they want to welcome all, right? You see that mm-hmm. in a lot of churches. We're a, a place that's welcome yeah. or everybody's welcome here. Or all are welcome. We well, see it here at Lord of Life, right? That's one of our core values is mm-hmm. welcoming all. Uh, what does that mean uh, to you first, I guess, as a pastor? And then also, what does mm-hmm. it mean to you as someone who is like looking at other churches and appropriately judging them for what they say? <laughs> yeah, I judge constantly. Um, I mean, we all do. From it's, yeah, there's just an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. <laughs> yeah, for me... Um, as a pastor, my 
the most important thing I've told you this before, but the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, but for you're not telling it me. You're telling it to our audience. I know. Right I'm now. telling it's, it's okay to but repeat I'm, something. But <laughs> I'm talking to you too. So, um, my most important thing is like when I look at another person, mm-hmm. I want to be able to know in my brain and tell myself and be constantly reminded that like this person is a beloved child of God. Mm-hmm. This person yeah. bears the image of God, and that is the. Uh, I try to hold that as my kind of grounding like truth right before I know a person's name before I you know have any sort of conversation with them just like seeing the existence of another person Mm -hmm. like God's image is is evident in them yeah um and so that sort of drives how as a pastor as a member of a community I want to practice welcoming all yeah um because right like if I if I know if I believe that this person is a reflection of God like in our call to love God and love neighbor, how should I be treating this person? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so that sort of is the driving factor in how I begin and, and sort of engage in relationship with folks. Okay. Um, so that's where I would start. Okay. So what about as just a person looking at other people's uh, language on their website or on their signs and saying like, sure. oh, that church says they welcome all. Like, what? how does that strike you? And what do you think that means sure. culturally to hear that? Yeah. This is a, I mean, yeah, it can be a very complicated question, I think. Um, what I have noticed, especially, I mean, sort of across denominations, but I, I see it really prevalent. It's really prevalent in sort of non-denominational or larger size congregations mm-hmm. to have a, like a page on their website that has their, you know, what we're all about, you yeah. know, and sort of what goes believe, through yeah, yeah mm-hmm. what we believe. And, you know, it's like, we believe in the, you know, that. God's word is is inerrant and 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 so there's sort of all of the ways in which congregations yeah. will go through their beliefs and so that for me um is sort of like the the uh the like actual answer mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. whatever might be on the church's you know logo or front page right when you get into the nitty-gritty of their um of the theology that they hold sure um, how how are those kind of core beliefs reflected in their you know invitation for all to be welcome yeah um and at least my experience i mean especially when i was in college i was going to a lot of non-elca congregations um because i didn't feel welcome at the Mm -hmm. elca congregation where i where i visited um and i was certainly never turned away at the door Mm -hmm. um or anything like that but um in the ways in which i was greeted or Mm -hmm. not greeted Mm -hmm. um in the ways in which um i was sort of uh encouraged to participate in certain uh, groups within the congregation and encouraged to not participate in other groups Mm. um, because of my gender, because of my age, for for whatever reason. Um, Those are things that that continue to kind of communicate to me as a like as a church shopper, as Mm -hmm, someone who's mm -hmm. looking to be part of a community. Um, You know, how does this feel? You know, how is this? You know, do I am I feeling like I'm fully uh celebrated for who i am in this other space it feels like what you're saying and you feel free to correct me if i'm reading too far into this or saying something uh out of line but it feels like you're saying that by and large seeing welcome or all are welcome or welcoming all on someone's website or on their sign whatever feels like an empty gesture in in many contexts yeah uh when i see we welcome all i kind of scoff you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's sort of my own cynicism. Right. Sure, and just yeah. from the my experiences I've had in the past. But I I read that with a lot of suspicion yeah. because I I mean, I know like theologically. Right. Like like there is such goodness in, in wanting to welcome all mm-hmm. and the ways in which we embody that welcome, I think, are where a lot of the kind of problems arise. So yeah. it's not that the intention is bad. It's the the way in which that intention maybe is is lived out or, yeah. or not lived out that results in sort of the, mm-hmm. the hesitancy mm-hmm. or the the desire to like not be part of a community anymore. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the way that I, I've often talked about this, right, is that most places, you know, every church says people are welcome, right? No church mm-hmm. says we don't want people here. Sure. N- nobody says that, sure. at least not on their website. Um, yeah. But most churches have some sort of asterisk, right? Whether that's uh, implied or literal uh, next to that welcome all statement that there's some group of people, some uh, uh, group of, uh, yeah, group of people. That's the best way to say it. There's some group that, yes, you're welcome in these doors as long as X, right? You yeah. uh, 
uh, act like us, uh, change, uh, change to look like us, uh, stop this behavior, start that behavior, right. Then you're welcome. Right. And it's, uh, it's the welcome if, uh, kind of statement. And, and it's not that they would stand at the door and say, Oh no, you can't come in here. I think in most cases that's true that they wouldn't stop or wouldn't stop you at the door. But once you're in to be integrated into the community, to be fully uh, included in the community, you would be expected to become one of them right? or, or sure. follow their particular belief, uh, which I mean, yeah. I think like divorce is a really g- great example. example. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, there are congregations where like if a couple comes in and is really struggling with their marriage, the only space for them is like a group which yeah. will, I mean, like encourage remaining in a in a relationship in a marriage regardless of what like might be going on Mm -hmm. right for the safety of uh, both people for the safety of any children that might be involved things like that so um that's just one you know one way in which you know coming into the doors is 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 you know a delightful thing and then you know what is the experience like once you're there and sort of how how are you experiencing um accompaniment once you're Mm -hmm. inside Mm -hmm. the community's doors yeah sure so uh, I think that kind of addresses the the next question that I have. Well, well, we can maybe expand on this a little bit. What does sure. it what does it look like um, to do that more authentically? I think we've kind of talked about like what this looks like when we're saying like uh, it doesn't seem like we're being as uh, as genuine in what that means. Um, but when we're authentically welcoming all, what does that look like in practice? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is an interesting question because it. I mean, like the cop out is like, it depends on every community, right? Like the culture of every community is different. Um, But I think there are also standards that we can put. There are also standards. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jesus is the ultimate, like he's like a great example. He's the bro, right? Like he's he's my homeboy. Yeah. He's like, and, and, you know, so I think about, right. Like Jesus welcoming little children, right. And wanting them to be present and visible and part of the community. And so um, I think one of the gifts of, for me in seeing a congregation that celebrates, you know, children being part of worship, you know, when, when like parents and families aren't getting glares because they have a a kiddo that's (laughs) making noise or things like that. Right. Like how are we um, aware of the different ways that people of all ages show Mm, up mm -hmm. and participate in worship and how are we, um, uh, you know, it's not always going to like be the most perfect thing, but like, how can we, as a community celebrate that um that diversity and like still have a worshipful experience as a as a community yeah Yeah. you said something earlier on uh, that i'll circle back to here that i think would be helpful for us right that um when you were visiting an elca church in college Mm -hmm. you didn't feel like you were uh, being welcomed as your full self right you didn't say quite like that but that's how i'm remembering right and i think that's what welcome really looks like right that each person is able to be their fullest self Mm -hmm. in that space whether that means that they're a child that needs to be able to move around during Mm -hmm. worship or whether that means that they're uh, an 80 year old who needs to be able to come in and sit during the entire service Mm -hmm. or whether that means they're someone who's blind and needs to be able to have uh, resources for them to be able to participate in the service that's mostly visual Mm -hmm. or if they're um maybe an adult with some form of down syndrome or something else where they need to uh, to be able to engage in the service in a meaningful way every person who comes into the space is able to engage the community at large in their fullest self and it's not yeah. expected to like conform to x y or z standard mm-hmm. right if, if we're genuinely about welcoming all then that's the goal right is that everybody can enter into that space in their fullest self yeah i think the hard thing too is like i mean we're creatures of habit and mm-hmm. so especially for you know a congregation like lord of life that has been around for a really long time um we have a lot of of uh like group names and insider language and so i mean my one of my friends calls me out on it he's like when you're doing announcements like saying things that are are you know our community or or the ways that you're even you know explaining things that are happening in the community if they're not oriented towards the visitor sitting there that has no idea what's going on at the church then it's like you're having a conversation with your own family and you know the guests in your house are confused and don't know what you're talking about and so like there's some kind of sense of like you know how is how is kind of the way that we're you know talking about ministry accessible to to all people and i think the other part of it too is as creatures of habit like we like to get into our routines Mm -hmm. and at the same time we're not always the same, right? Like there mm-hmm. are weeks when if somebody wants to give me a hug, I'm like, sure, I'd love to give you a hug. And other weeks when I really don't want to, and mm-hmm. it's, n- it has nothing to do with them, but it's just like, Sometimes I don't really want people in my bubble, you yeah. know, like, and so 
for me too, part of welcoming all is kind of curiosity doesn't feel like the right word, but kind of entering into like a complex community space with a sense of openness, with the sense Mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of like curiosity or flexibility. Right. And so, um, not just assuming that, you know, how things were happening one week with an interaction or with somebody not expecting that to be the same thing for, you know, Sundays and Sundays moving yeah. forward, right? Yeah, so let me ask a question that's not on our uh, kind of pre-list that yeah. I sent uh, to have you kind of uh, consider, but let me just uh, ask this out of what you're just, at, uh, just speaking to. So mm-hmm. you gave the example of like sometimes I'm more than willing to give someone a hug and sometimes I'm not, right? Yeah. What do we do or how do we enter into the space when our our need for a particular inter- interaction in order to feel welcomed conflicts with somebody else's need for a particular action interaction in order to feel welcome right so mm-hmm. uh you say i need to be able to come into the space and not hug people mm-hmm. in order to feel welcome and someone else says i need to be able to come into the space and feel like i can hug people mm-hmm. to feel welcome in the space now that's maybe a little bit of a silly example right uh, compared no. to a lot of other issues that we could take up but uh, you know we can use that as kind of a launching point what do we do when that those points of welcome come into conflict and mm-hmm. how do we ensure or how do we cultivate a space where both people are welcome and right. can be their fullest selves, even though their fullest selves perhaps conflict are with one another? With each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the question underlying that is like, how do you know, right? Like, how do you mm. know that the other person is longing for something that's different than you? Right. Sure. And so I think it points to, especially at a congregation like Lord of Life, where, um, you know, we have two pretty distinct worship services. We've mm-hmm. got members of our community that, um, if they're always going to the same service, might not know some of the members who are coming to sure. others, right? Or even within the same service, like, um, uh, as a community, and we've talked about it, you know, yeah. a lot. Like, how can we, you know, cultivate a, a, a culture that's like relearning how to be people, mm-hmm. be relearning mm-hmm. how to be human, and um, it's a slower process to have the conversation with someone and to be vulnerable in naming what you need and naming what you don't need right Mm -hmm. and there's a level of trust there in in you know in sharing that with someone else in um hoping that they'll respect that and and, you know and so um it's not sort of an instantaneous thing but i think it's a kind of as a community something that we can grow into but um, if we're not communicating with mm. each other, right, then we won't even know, right? Yeah. And that's where and that's where problems can happen, right? We talk about it in safe sanctuary. If we're not sure. clearly communicating with each other, that's where things can become uh, coercive or, yeah. or unsafe for for other people. Yeah, and safe sanctuary just because we we're just on about yes, uh, insider language. All right, correct. safe sanctuary is our training that we use to help ensure that uh, volunteers who are working in our space with children and with vulnerable adults yeah. uh, are trained appropriately to provide safe spaces and what that looks like. So, um, yeah, I think that's helpful. And, and so in the in the in the light of the, that communication, mm-hmm. all right, strain that you're kind of talking about, that's kind of what launched this uh, journey towards uh, exploring the RIC process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been an interesting thing. So for you and I, um, well, for me, uh, we've been uh, kind of doing this work for almost a year intentionally, mm-hmm. uh, right? I, I first uh, brought this to our mutual ministry team and said, hey, there's this thing called a Reconciling in Christ congregation. I'd like you to you know, do some research on it. Here's some websites that you can look at it. And just kind of think, does this seem something that's interesting to you all, right? That mm-hmm. was about about May, roughly, of last year. Um, that would be 2022 for those of you uh, listening in another calendar date. Um, and uh, so that that's when that whole process started. You came on uh, board as an interim initially in around July. And so you kind of yeah. joined that process uh, as we uh, did that. Mm-hmm. And that mutual ministry team has been working uh, kind of very diligently for the last year, thinking about what this journey might look like for Lord of Life and what that might entail. Mm-hmm. And so then we just came to the congregation in May to say, hey, we want to intentionally as a full congregation explore this for a period of time and see what happens at the end of it. That's yeah. That's where we are right now, right? That we just launched the process of exploring it, not of deciding to become one, not of deciding not to become one, but of exploring this so that, like you were just talking about, right? Yeah. We can have those very open lines of communication yeah. so that we can cultivate spaces in which we can be vulnerable with one another. As vulnerable is... <laughs> it's a hard word. With it's your, a hard word with on my best day. Face. It's really not going well <laughs> with that. So that we can cultivate ways to be available to one another appropriately <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, have those meaningful uh, yeah. relationships and conversations. Um, and, yeah. And so, so yeah, the work that the mutual, yeah. So the work that the mutual ministry team has been doing over the last year is basically learning about the process right. and, and asking the big question of, you know, does this process kind of, um, align with 
the mission and vision and values that yeah. we have. And once yeah. they were able to say yes to that question, mm-hmm. um, that really is where sort of involving the council and involving Correct. the congregation on a larger level came in. Right. And so yeah. now we're in this process of saying, okay, we want to open up these lines of communication yeah. for these honest conversations with mm-hmm. one another, which will at times make us feel like we could be hurt because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to say that word again. Vulnerable. Uh, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> so, like give me a signal and I'll say it for you when you're talking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh, in that journey. So that's where we want to go for the rest of this conversation is talking a little bit more specifically about uh, welcoming all within the context of reconciling in Christ and sure. what that looks like and how uh, those processes go about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of how Lord of Life has landed where we are right now. And then we're kind of unsure of what's going to come in the in the next six months to a year. And we'll yeah. uh, kind of end by talking about that piece a little bit. Um, but let's start here. Uh, reconciling in, uh, in Christ or RIC, yeah. um, speaking about insider language, it's about as insider as it gets. <laughs> it really um, so tell us what it what is reconciling in christ what is R I well i mean ric is just reconciling in christ but what yeah. what is this what does it mean what is it yeah if um, you were if you were giving an elevator pitch to somebody what would you say uh can i can i start with with broader context because that's how my brain works broader context to an elevator pitch to to what reconciling christ is oh well can fine. i answer the next question yeah. on our list you've got a long you've got a long elevator ride go nuts that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a long we're going all the way up to the top of the empire state building that's right. um so I'll begin with this. It's no secret. In the beginning, (laughs) God created the heavens and the earth. Um, That would be a fun place to start. So in, uh, I don't think it's a secret that uh, churches um, across the United States, across denominations, um, for, especially in in recent years, but I mean, really for for decades, have been wrestling with, um, uh, uh, gay marriage right Mm -hmm. i mean like sort of in the united states that has been a really controversial issue um in certain communities this has been very prevalent for since the 60s and 70s right right. probably even earlier than that in some communities um it's gained more national prominence and certainly has affected more local communities within the last couple of decades yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah so the elca was formed in hmm, 87 1987 i don't know it was before i was born so um a lot of things were before you were born. <laughs> I know. So the ELCA was formed in the 80s, and then uh, <laughs> Reconciling Works is a uh, separate uh, 501c3, mm-hmm. so it's a nonprofit organization that is um, sort of, I would say, affiliates with the with the Lutheran Church, yeah. the ELCA, sort of uh, from a theological standpoint. And its particular purpose is to um, walk alongside congregations as they wrestle with this question of how do we welcome um, into our doors um, members of the LGBTQ community in um, authentic ways and not just that's where it started that's where it started that's where it started yeah that's where it started Um, and so that has been you know that has been sort of reconciling works as kind of main mission and 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 the grounding in the work that they do and so um, reconciling in Christ is a I don't know if program is the right word, but or like training. Yeah. Yeah. So um, reconciling in Christ is a, yeah, sort of particular designation that um, ELCA churches um, may have Mm -hmm. or may not have. um, And in order to sort of um, be recognized um, as a reconciling in Christ congregation, there is a a process that, Mm -hmm. that a congregation goes through. It involves forming a, uh, core team, which we have done here at Lord of Life. Um, it involves um, having um, times for educational forums, mm-hmm. um, times for uh, Bible study, times for um, learning, um, and a lot of listening, right? So yeah. it's it's really rooted in relationship and, and um, getting to know a congregation for uh, for who they are and what their values are. Yeah. Um, and really the goal in that is, is sort of, I would say to like to resist sort of the, the cult of personality that right. comes from, um, from congregations. Right. So like if a particular staff person, if a particular pastor was to leave a congregation, there is still like a, a thriving yeah. spirit, right. And, and culture and, yeah. and, um, foundation in that congregation. So, um, this process allows a congregation to sort of find that nugget and, and name it. And, um, I'll stop there. Okay. 
We've reached the top of the Empire State Building. I, I guess. I don't know. I don't think that was a good conclusion, but I... <laughs> It was a conclusion. I could, <laughs> I could talk about this all day, so you're going right, to have so to orient me with another question No, it's okay. Let's uh, catch up on a couple of things. So yeah. reconciling in Christ is the designation given by the organization Reconciling Works Correct. to congregations who have done this particular uh, journey process to go through these uh, steps of forming the core team and having those... This is my signal. Vulnerable. Conversations. <laughs> there it is. I was like, um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I volunteered right. to do that. <laughs> anyway. Having those conversations, conversations and ultimately yeah. a congregation adopts uh, at the end to to become a reconciling Christ congregation. You adopt a particular welcome statement that meets particular criteria. You uh, agree to make a financial contribution to support the work of reconciling works, things like that. That's all down the road, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what reconciling works uh, exists to do uh, during the uh, 2020 pandemic year mm-hmm. uh, with the murder of George Floyd and mm-hmm. other things. Reconciling works made a very intentional move to expand their work beyond just LGBTQIA inclusion uh, yeah. to include uh, persons of color mm-hmm. uh, and other um, indigenous communities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how intentionally their language speaks to uh, neurodiversity and other areas, but I know a lot of congregations who are reconciling Christ are very intentional about that inclusion also. Right. In their welcome statements. In their yeah. Welcome it's sta- not yeah. a particular expectation right. at this point, but um, what normally comes in the in the process of, of reconciling Christ congregations when they're doing this work, mm-hmm. um, at least in my experience, has been, you know, when you start to think about, you know, how are we welcoming or not welcoming to yeah. the LGBTQ community, um, your, you know, eyes are sort of opened or sort of your yeah. awareness is is broadened and mm-hmm. you start to notice, oh, you know, like, well, you know, we only have three handicapped, you know, parking spaces and we have a lot of people on walkers in our congregation and, you know, maybe our, you know, parking lot, you know, is not most uh, welcoming for folks that have, mm-hmm. sure. you know, like physical um, uh, disabilities and handicaps. Or whatever and else like you that. might Yeah. And so, yeah. so really what, what is, I think, particularly life-giving or exciting about um, journeying the process, regardless of what the end point is, is that there's a it's a the community has sort of a their own discovery right, right. Of, of who they are and maybe who they are not yeah. but who they hope to be more fully yeah yeah one of the things that i've really appreciated about reconciling works is we've gotten to know them a little bit and just the work that they're doing is that they are solely focused on helping congregations through this journey right yeah. they're as you mentioned they're not funded by the elca nope. um and so that they are not worried about any of the politics that are happening in, within the ELCA. Yeah. Um, they're not worried about any of the politics that are happening within uh, the states or the federal government, right? Yeah. Their goal is you as a local congregation, how do we help you become a community that is authentically welcoming people the way that you say you want to be? Yeah. And they're not advocate. They're not going to any congregations and saying you should do this. Um, they're no. not. And the journey is different for every congregation. It is, so absolutely. I mean, I mean, there are some congregations that um, are, I would say like closer if that's the right word, but are already doing a lot of work and and maybe are ready to become a reconciling in Christ congregation in six months. And there are others that maybe it takes them two years or longer. I mean, Christ the King Lutheran church, they tried to become RIC back in the nineties. And then again, I think it was in the early two thousands and just have now become RIC. But I mean, every congregation's journey is different. Um, and but it's about the journey, right? It's yeah. not about a designation or, you know, sometimes RIC congregations will put a rainbow sticker on their uh, like front door. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not about that as much yeah. as it is about how is the community growing in their right. understanding theologically. And of that's perhaps the most helpful thing, right? That the, the, the designation, right? It's kind of like putting a, uh, a, uh, one of the, uh, when you have a security system in your house and you like leave the little sticker outside, like my like house. beware of dog sticker? No, like one that says like, you know, ADT security is oh, here, right? Or, you but know. you don't actually have ADT security. Right. Like we exactly. still, we still have a security uh, sign in my front yard that's been there since we moved in. Never had a security system, right? Because like. <laughs> and now it, the whole internet knows. <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's, the internet will find out that there's a lot of things about my life. Anyway, that's, uh, um, you know, the, the, the designation is not as important as the work that you're doing internally, right? If right. you just slap up a sticker in the window yeah. and you're not doing this work, mm-hmm. um, that's what the, the Reconciling Works is really trying to advocate for, is doing the work uh, and doing that work on the front end to ensure that when somebody walks into your building, you're actually authentically who you're saying you claim to be, right? Yeah. So that when you say we're welcoming all, somebody can walk in and feel like, oh, yeah. well, this place really does feel like they're trying to welcome all. And, and that doesn't mean they're going to yeah. be perfect, right? Yeah. But they're really trying to do that work. That's what Reconciling Works is 
advocating for. They're yeah. not advocating for a policy change. They're not advocating right. for every congregation to come and do this. Right. They're saying yeah. you, yeah. you congregation, you are interested in this. We want to support you in this journey. Yeah. They're there to support you in something that you as a congregation are already doing, which I just find really valuable because a lot of times we get uh, ministries or opportunities like this that are kind of like pushed on. You're like, this is the thing. You got to right. go do this thing. Yeah. And that's really not what, uh, what reconciling works is about. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why a congregation might choose to become uh, reconciling in Christ. Cause we can okay. take Lord of life for an example, sure. right? Cause this is our context. So what better example to use than ourselves? Um, we're pretty at, cool. Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> I, I'd hang out with us if we were at a party. Our acronym is LOL. So is we're that, fun. Yeah. <laughs> we were LOL before LOL was cool. All right. There's a, uh, I, you were, that's I true. This, yeah. Such trendsetters here. Lord of life. Who knew? Good job. Uh, y'all. So, <laughs> So uh, taking Lord of Life an example, right? Mm -hmm. We have had uh, and continue to have um, mm -hmm. LGBTQIA members of our community. We do. Um, these members have served on our council. Yeah. Um, these members have had uh, families that have started to grow here, mm -hmm. uh, have had baptisms uh, take place here. Uh, we have not at this time had an opportunity to uh, have a, a same gender wedding at our uh, facility. Um, but I think the congregation would be open to it. I know you mm. and I both as pastors would be uh, oh, yeah. open to uh, having that happen. Uh, mm. It just has not presented itself as an opportunity. Right? Sure. Um, so a lot of people could look around and say, we're already welcoming, right? Yeah. We're already doing it. These people are already here. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, they're already fully included. We have them serve around council. I love that they serve around council. Why do I need to go through this thing? Why do I, why do we need to become reconciling Christ to make a deal out of it mm. when mm -hmm. we're already doing it? Yeah. And maybe, th maybe that's putting a little bit too much of a negative spin on it. And I apologize. No, I'm no, being no, a little no. bit overly dramatic for the purpose of it's a, it's a common, thing. it's a common question. Um, when, uh, I'll give, I'll speak to my own personal experience. That's all we can do. Um, when I got the call from the synod that Lord of life was looking for an interim, associate and then I had my initial kind of conversation mm -hmm. with you um I you know of course did snooping before we like chatted Such and so you know I went on our I went on our website and you know there's this beautiful image on the front page with a rainbow and I thought mm -hmm. ooh, this is interesting right like a rainbow sort of so you it's know, an actual rainbow I should be clear like it the, was the a image hand was a yeah it was a hand with a rainbow it was this beautiful picture yeah. that was where it was at the point so um I thought ooh, like there's a rainbow I wonder this wasn't the one with the rainbow over the waterfall it wasn't that one no no we oh, changed that for Lent this was prior that's this right was this was the hand with the rainbow like with a hand through a stained glass window or something yeah. that was reflecting yeah. on. I remember it was that one. beautiful and it I was. thought, ooh, you know, like what I've come to learn is like ELCA congregations that have rainbows are like either RIC congregations mm -hmm. that are trying to kind of communicate that visually mm -hmm. um, or they're non RIC congregations that are trying to like still communicate that they're welcoming to all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Without having when they don't have that designation. So I was like, hmm, let me think about this. So I, you know, go in and read about our core values and and all sorts of things. Um, and in my mind, right, I don't know about the process behind how all of those, um, how the mission, how the vision, how the values have sure. been developed, yep. how they, what sort of vetting has happened, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, and have no idea kind of theologically where the congregation is yeah. um, beyond what I hear you preach about or kind of what I hear in the worship liturgy. And on one like Sunday that. that you visited. and on, yeah. the, on the one Sunday I visited, yeah. So, I mean, I remember, like, I, when I first met you, I was like, I need to be very, be very clear that you know, even though this congregation, you know, uh, like I want to be very clear that like I will be willing to, you know, mm -hmm. marry any two people who come forward and, and yeah. promise that they will, you know, honor and respect and like treat others well. Right. Yeah. And and sort of those things. So um, and I, you know, came to Lord of Life as a sort of incognito, you mm -hmm. know, before I officially started working here. Ineffectively incognito. Ineffectively yeah. incognito. Yeah, yeah. I was discovered immediately because people on council figured out who I was, but, yeah. um, you know, and uh, for me, it's scary, you know, to mm -hmm. walk into a new church. I mean, like I'm young, I, you know, wasn't coming with anyone else. So, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be approached. I don't know, you know, what kind of, you know, invasive questions I might get asked and that sure. can happen at any congregation. Right. But sort of, um, wanting to uh get a sense of who lord of life is yeah and who lord of life is uh, not I, I, I forgot what your question was but i'm just I'm delighting gonna, in my memories i'm gonna interrupt to tell a quick story because i think it's hilarious and oh then gosh. then we'll go back to the question so when i was taking my first call at a congregation in uh, columbia south carolina they were the call committee was very di diligently trying mm. to do their job of not letting the congregation know who i was ahead of time <laughs> but wanted me to be able to attend worship and so mm -hmm. 
they they had picked Amanda and I up at the hotel the morning of worship, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the woman who was driving us dropped us off like a block away from the church. Oh my gosh! So that we could walk up to the church like on our own without yeah. like being seen getting out of her car. Oh <laughs> and she's gosh. like, "I'm going to be sitting in the sanctuary over here. You can come and sit with me." And it was, <laughs> it was the greatest oh thing. Oh my gosh! To, like, yeah, it was so, really funny. Such such a strategic such move. dedication to yeah. uh, to maintaining uh, confidentiality. confidentiality. Right. Uh, but yeah. so no, the question was, why do we need to go through this process? So yeah. you were giving us a, a sense of this was my experience. That was my experience. Outside, yeah. yeah. So what I would say is um, for members of the LGBTQ community, seeing a congregation on their website or in their publications say they're welcoming all mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean they are. Right. We As already, we we already talked about, about yep. that. Um, and so there can be a great deal of of risk, yeah. of of fear um, in coming into a space with a, um, with a partner of the same gender, um, or, you know, if you're someone who is, who is trans, right? I mean, there are all sorts of ways in which walking into a space, I mean, a new space is an incredibly vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I find, um, one of the gifts of, of the Reconciling in Christ program, you know, process to be, um, is sort of when we think about, um, adopting a welcome statement, right? Like this, this statement that the the whole congregation has has been um, wrestling with and thinking about and and providing input for. Um, if I see that on a congregation's website, you know that communicates to me. You know, this isn't just the pastor who's here right now who mm-hmm. ha- who is mm-hmm. willing to preach about you know um, all folks being welcome in this congregation, but you know this is at the congregation's core, this is a value that they're trying to live out. And they may not do it perfectly, right? And um, may not always kind of live up to it. Sure. But this is something that we can have as a as a as a guiding practice, mm-hmm. right? Rooted in our theology that will that we can hold ourselves accountable to um, and be constantly reflecting on, right? How can we um, how are we honoring the commitment that we've made, right, to um, to welcoming um I think about, I've been thinking a lot about the Beatitudes, especially since our uh, congregational Mm -hmm. meeting, Um, you know, like, and I think it's so interesting, right? Jesus doesn't say blessed are, you know, and he doesn't name every single possible, you know, demographic or breakup within the community. Like he's specifically naming these groups of people who are not welcome, or are oppressed, or are yeah. sort of uh, shunned, and things like that. And and to me, a welcome statement is sort of like a contemporary beatitude mm. in a way, right? Mm. It's like a, it's it's not saying you know if you're straight, you're not as loved, right? Um, but it's saying there are groups of people in the world who walk into another church and are told that they need to either uh, like change the core of who they are sure. or or divorce the person that they're married to um or they're going to hell yeah right like when a when a heterosexual couple walks into a church they're not told that they're going to hell yeah right and so that's where this is sort of a, a different thing than um it's it's similar anyway. to the the black lives matter versus all lives matter right that you know the the in, intention behind the black lives matter motto movement however mm-hmm. we want to think about that right was to lift up the fact that black lives were not being valued. Correct. And it was not to say that any other lives don't matter. Correct. Right? And the all lives matter was basically trying to say, no, we're all equal and we should just, all, and yes, but we're missing the fact that certain people were not being treated that way. Right. Yeah. That this was, this well, was here to elevate to the, the fact that yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. I and mean, we can talk about the difference between equality and equity. Sure. Right. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. all that sort of stuff too. But um, yeah, I mean the, the, I think the the difficult thing that I have experienced in both Reconciling Christ congregations mm-hmm. and in non-RIC congregations is like this discomfort that we are naming mm-hmm. specific sure. groups. Um, and I think it is. I mean, it is uncomfortable. I mean, we're, we're as a congregation, you know, putting ourselves out there, yeah. you know, and, and are willing to, to face the often painful consequences, right, in, um, in the ways that we might be able to you know that in the ways that we're engaging with other with other christian congregations Mm -hmm. um but um for a lot of folks there is incredible risk in walking into 
yeah. a church space. Yeah. Um, and this is just one way that, you know, I think uh, congregations can can practice um, being open, right? And yeah. like being um, excited about who they are, right? And, and about who um, they know like our God to be, right? I mean, it yeah. really is like, I mean, it's a theological statement at the end of the day yeah. and, and a reflection of how we're trying to live that out. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is kind of a good place for us to start wrapping up the conversation as well. And it's a reminder, right, of what you were just saying. To me, it strikes me that RIC is not the point. Yeah. Right. Wh- whether or not you end this process with a, a designation and a sticker in your window is not the point. Right. The point is to have a congregation that is having those vulnerable conversations with one <laughs> another. I'm actually, you've been on a little journey with me here. I'm getting back. I might be able to say it now. We'll give it a shot having those vulnerable nope still can't do it conversations <laughs> with one another um and authentically trying to live out something that they say in a in a, in a genuine way right yeah you know so we ha- we at lord of life have said that we have a value of welcoming all mm-hmm. how are we actually addressing and well and uh living that out on a day-to-day rather than just putting it out in the ether and one of the challenges and this is uh something that i have uh, have a challenge with with reconciling Christ congregations and just have a challenge personally, right? Is that welcoming all means that the person who's ready to affirm every single uh, relationship mm-hmm. is welcome. And the person who's not ready to affirm every single relationship is welcome. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a fine line to try to figure out how to walk and how do you, how do you cult- cultivate that space where people can come and right and they can want to hug and they can not want to hug mm-hmm. um but they're both welcome and they can have that vulnerable conversation with one another i got it uh and yeah. they can uh and they can know the presence and love of god in that space mm-hmm. right because for me my own journey is one of being a space where if you had asked me this in when i was coming out of high school and starting college i would have said absolutely not mm-hmm. you know uh, lgbtq people are not a part of uh, uh, God's plan or intention or should not be a part of the church, right? That absolutely would have been against everything that I thought I believed. I, I not even thought, but I did believe, right? Mm-hmm. As, a, as a high schooler coming into college. But it was through um, patient and loving and caring relationships with people who allowed me to be in that space mm-hmm. and simultaneously lived in a way that let me see something different that allowed me to see that my theology and my understanding of God was wrong, Yeah. right? And so it's only through that relationship that I was able to come to a place where I can say the LGBTQ community is a reflection of God's own image and should be lifted up and celebrated within our context in the same way as anything else. Right. And and so knowing that that's a piece of my journey, Mm -hmm. welcoming all has to be a space where people can come in to enter that journey. Right. Otherwise, right. Otherwise we're just going to enter into a place of like, well, all are welcome, but really we just mean as long as you agree with us on Mm -hmm. this particular issue. And that's Mm -hmm. not going to be any more valuable than anything else. Yeah. Um, And so that's why for me, the conversations that Lord of Life is going to go through in this process of exploring becoming RIC is more important than the outcome. Yeah. I would rather we take a year or two years to have these conversations mm-hmm. and come out saying, no, that's not what we're going to do than to say yes right now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's more important to me that we have the conversations. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts? That's kind of my like. Yeah. I think the hard thing, and this is something that we'll have to wrestle with as a congregation um, in thinking about, uh, uh, safety doesn't feel like the right word, but um, vulnerability. Well, I'm well, no, I think I mean <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about your example, again, right? Like, um, because the reality right now is that yeah, I mean we are not a homogenous absolutely con- context. We never will be, and nope. there will always be you know varying perspectives. And so, um, for me, like there's a difference between feeling uncomfortable, um, and feeling unsettled because someone's particular theology is different than yours um and uh, for me like when the conversation becomes like you are heathen you are not bearing the image of god that's to me where where we veer into unsafety and so i think it'll be important for us as a congregation to to wrestle with like how do we sit in 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 situations in in forums in bible studies where we're kind of lingering in the vulnerability and the discomfort together. Mm -hmm. Um, And how can that still reflect welcome, right? How can we still have that be an open space where um, there's not one perspective that's trying to be pushed, but um, so there's a balance for me too, right? Between like safety and and welcome and things like that. And there's certainly, I mean, I don't have a solution, but I think it's important to, to name, right? Like, um, we all are, are going to be taking levels of, of 
uh, risk to, to yeah. step into those spaces. And I hope, I, I mean, my prayer really is that, um, that folks will have the courage to, to sure. step into those spaces. Yeah. Um, because it, it, if we're not willing to communicate with each other, if we're not willing to, um, to meet each other where, where we're at, um, then this will be a really painful process. And I think, yeah. I think this, this process, regardless of what happens can be really life-giving because mm-hmm. at the end, you know, we will know more clearly who we are as yeah. a congregation and we will be able to articulate more clearly about, you know, how God is moving in this congregation. And, yeah. and that is such an incredible gift and one that I hope we can do a better job of sharing with the wider, you know, Absolutely. neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Thank you for uh, coming on yeah. and being part of the conversation. And I'm happy and to. Us with that. Uh, uh, if you are out there and you're uh, wanting more information on uh, what a Reconciling Christ uh, congregation is, uh, you can go to reconcilingworks.org. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and I think they also have a listing there of uh, ELCA churches that identify as Reconciling in Christ. They uh, do. If you want to know more about a congregation in your area, you can find that there. Again, reconcilingworks.org. Mm-hmm. If you're not a, a member of the Lutheran Church and want to know more about congregations in your area, uh, virtually every... Uh, mainline progressive-ish denomination has some sort of reconciling in works type equivalent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're and all called. And there's also a resource um, list on reconciling works that has oh, a list go. of those. So, so if you're again, an Episcopalian, you can find you know the RW equivalent reconcilingworks.org for all of your. Yeah, they've <laughs> got a cute needs. little map. So if you want to like go and look and see, um, in the last oh my goodness, you know month and a half, I think we've had three new RIC designations oh. in our synod. So, yeah. I mean, even for like greater Houston area uh, people, there's a lot of uh, new opportunities. Yeah. So go check that out if you want more information. If you're here at Lord of Life and you want more information, we are currently in the process, as we said, of forming that core team. That core mm-hmm. team is going to be uh, working with Pastor Cassandra and myself to lead this process that's going to involve all sorts of opportunities for study and for conversation and for listening and interaction with the community. Yeah. Um, so keep uh, your ear to the ground and to the announcements uh, in worship and in our weekly emails, and we'll uh, keep you posted on that. Um, more information on the core team will be forthcoming very soon, and their work will be mm. ongoing. And I imagine at some point in the podcast, we might revisit this topic. Um, I sure. think this is a great opportunity to just kind of get this uh, into the world so that we can yeah. uh, have some conversation and reflect on it together. So thank you, Pastor Cassandra, for having a vulnerable conversation <laughs> with me here. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for joining me on my healing journey as the numbing medicine has worn off in this hour of our uh, conversation. I can feel my lips again. It's great. The healing power of a podcast. It's like I'm a new man. That's right. Who knew? (laughs) Uh, And with that, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can find all of our episodes at beyondsundaypodcast.com and send us an email with your thoughts and reflections on reconciling works or places that you've experienced welcome or Hmm. perhaps fun stories only fun stories of places you haven't experienced welcome if you've got trauma go to a therapist that's really appropriate to deal with there Uh, we are not that but we would love to hear if you have funny stories of places where you didn't feel welcome you can send those to beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com thanks so much for listening everybody and we'll see you next week